Welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin. With me is my co-host, Reese. Reese, how are you feeling this week? Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, I mean, as a Michigan fan, I'm rolling with the punches, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, right now, things have been a little bit better. Um, but you know what? We're going to, you know, we're going to hope the blue wall comes through again and, uh, you know. Get a little bit of that Michigan favoritism. Definitely not happening in this case. I mean, uh, it's been the NCAA and Michigan have been uh, definitely foes, I mean, for a little while now. But, uh, yeah, you know, outside of that, things are going somewhat solid. And, uh, you know, just getting through another another week here and excited for the weekend of football uh, up ahead. It seems like this is the thing, like, okay, did Michigan do it? Probably seems like that's but, almost a certainty at this point. But the the real question is like, it just seems like the NCAA is unfairly bringing the hammer down on them for something that it it doesn't really like. This is such commonplace in college football, and like, there's a solution to it, and it's just allowing headsets and allowing uh you know verbal communication right. instead of signs like we're in the 1930s. Um, it, but you know, there's a reason why those rules don't get passed, and it's typically sign stealing coaches. There's plenty of coaches uh, in college football that are, you know, pissed yeah. about. <laughs> I mean, they they like they they know that it just happened. So it's like that's why. And you were saying it best, Reese. Like no one's coming down too hard on Michigan as far as the coaches go because there's a lot of teams that do it. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously we'll have to see. I think that. The immediate reaction, I mean, if for, for any other Michigan fans uh, listen to this podcast, which would be awesome. Of course, the immediate reaction is like you fear it would just be from like the playoff committee, um, which hopefully it comes to that point. And then the Big Ten, which not hopefully comes to the point of punishment, but hopefully you have to worry about how the committee views you. So I think that's really the main things. NCAA investigations almost always take longer. Um, yeah. it take a while to decide, but you know, it is what it is. I don't think uh, you could talk to different analysts everywhere. Some people think it's the worst thing in the world. And some analysts are like, it makes no difference. Um, well makes a little bit of difference, but really doesn't wouldn't change what has happened this season or even in the past for when it was happened. So either way, this is in a Michigan podcast. So I'll leave it at that, you know, go <laughs> blue as always. But, um, I, yeah. I will, I will say I also um, find it interesting that you know more uh, Lincoln Riley at at uh, in media day today was talking a little bit about you know sending some signs that he thinks that Utah might be into the sign stealing business, which is also not the first time that I've heard that from Utah. It's also not the first time I've heard it from a ton of different programs that they do dedicate ass or resources to making that happen. And is it like? I, I don't know. It to me, is it a big deal? Yes, because it's a rule. It's breaking the rules. But at the same time, it's like clearly they weren't trying to hide it that badly. You know, like yeah. there's pictures of them with you know signs on their sheet, and it's not well, it's not a surprise to me. I don't even think that like that's not even as far as the rule breaking. The fact that. You know, they have pictures or whatever. Even isn't even that big of a deal. Like that doesn't even technically to the rules prove anything because you are allowed to steal signs. It's just the matter mm -hmm. about which you know Michigan went about doing it um, allegedly, which seems like they probably <laughs> did. Um, but 
you know, it is what it is. I think that, you know, as bad as they were at covering their tracks, they had to at least think that maybe they're exploiting some kind of loophole. Um, you know, it does seem like the character that actually did it was an interesting person, though, because absolutely. there were reports before he even worked at the program. He had a 600 page manifesto yeah. on the program. So I don't I don't know what that entails, <laughs> what qualifies <laughs> a manifesto in uh, in the sports world. But uh, it's very, uh, very interesting for sure. Yeah. Anything entitled manifesto is usually <laughs> I don't know. Not usually a great sign, at least speaking to the person, but you know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? <laughs> and, and did you also see that apparently the Michigan offensive coordinator now is under investigation from oh, the FBI. former? They had fired. Oh, former, had fired. former. Yeah. Based off basically what he's getting invested for now. Um, but now currently the offensive coordinator is just Sharon Moore, who honestly could probably be an offensive line coach for just about every NFL team in the league. Like that man is, um, you know, obviously moving away from the sign stealing type thing has won multiple of Joe Moore awards, um, in consecutive years, uh, for the Michigan offensive line. And is going to be, you know, sending out some pretty good talent, um, into the NFL here sometime, like, you know, within this coming draft and, and moving off. And of course, you know, Olu Alua Timi, um, yeah. who was drafted this who past we were year. Extremely which, high on for the Bears. <laughs> right. Who was actually a late later pick because of how deep this past center yeah. class was. So like sixth round or fifth round or something? I think he won fifth round, which is crazy. Especially when you think about like I mean, yeah, to wrap it back to the Bears, I mean, uh <laughs> we didn't pick a center and you could get a center available basically throughout the whole draft. And I know we haven't seen much of Doug Kramer at this point, so maybe he's someone that's gonna be at that position long term, but certainly a head scratcher. It was at the time of the draft. I know on this podcast I was like hammering home the point of, you know, the Bears need to take a draft. I'm gonna be pissed off if they don't take or take a center in this draft and they didn't, and I was pissed off, and honestly, I still am to this day. But what yeah. are you going to do? You move forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Cody Whitehair, funny enough, funny how the world works at center this year, was about the exact same as he was in his last year at center. So uh, very interesting there. Go figure. Uh, definitely interesting move. All right, let's talk more about the Bears. How are you still feeling about this Bajant mania? You know, all these videos surfacing, Sports Center putting up videos of his dad wrestling uh, at, at the Senior Bowl, arm wrestling uh, Tom oh, Pelissero yeah. at the Senior Senior Bowl. Um, that was man. a good bit. If you haven't watched that, though, honestly, I think it's like it's a decent watch. It's worth like 90 yeah. seconds to kind of take out oh, your yeah. day. Baby's his dad seems like a character. Dog. Yeah, he seems he's like a, a character. dog at the arm wrestling. Yeah. I mean, he's like, what, 26-time like world champion? Like, yeah. man, one of the goats of arm wrestling, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know what sort of promotional deals come off that, but uh, it's certainly one of those uh, very interesting things to be, like, the best person ever at. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just am also interested in how you get into that. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. You just start taking taking up a bunch of arm wrestling against a bunch of people, and you're like, honestly, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I never lost. You know? <laughs> it's like this gotta be. It's like uh, you know, Tim Ross. There's gotta be some way I can make money off this. I really want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Exactly. But overall, I mean, I, I I'll I'll kick it off. 
you know, I as I've watched more of the film this week and I keep going into it, I came away. I, I don't mean to say this bad, but like less impressed, you know, in the moment I felt like it, like the timing he was making the throws, like what, like the plays he was making, it all seemed good and it made sense and everything. But after, you know, reviewing over the film a little bit, I, it's hard to really even compare him to Justin Fields at this point, because he's not been put in a position in the slightest, like Justin was, um, or, or, put like he was kind of hidden in in a certain sense I do respect again what I was saying the coaching staff uh for not completely shutting down the playbook and and just going all run which not not to say we didn't run a lot we certainly did uh but you know putting the ball in his hands on a few key third downs I thought was really important and uh you know I'm hoping they kind of peel back the layer a little bit this week uh, going into this game because uh, I, I just fail to believe that we're going to win this game with the same game plan as we had last week. Yeah, you really wouldn't think so. Um, I think as far as, you know, short pass, you know, all game, I mean, I think almost or a lot of people's reaction immediately was like, okay, you're not going to be able to get away with that consecutively. You know, defenses are now the tapes out there just going to start to bring bring people up. And honestly, it shocked me that the Raiders didn't really immediately adjust to that. Uh, and then ultimately by the time that they really seemed to adjust to it, the bears were able to go, you know, very run heavy. I think on the, the silver lining for this bears offense, right. Is, you know, the bears uncovered, which ultimately was the best part of their offense last year where they led the league in rushing, which, you know, a lot of that stemmed from Justin Fields, but you look at it and, you go, we should have been running the ball even more than we were beforehand. And, and you know, Foreman should have been up on the active roster. I, I think that those were two things that were definitely uncovered for whenever or if Justin Fields makes it back, um, you know, just pound the ball. And obviously this offensive line, I think they do have, you can judge them and pass protection. I think there's still a few question marks. This offensive line is certainly – a lot better than they were last year, but nowhere, you know, far from perfect, but still run blocking. They, they are doing a good job, especially when it came to just timing and, and having a running back like Foreman, you know, go ahead and just be decisive, not no hesitation yeah. and cut up. So I think that that was a big silver lining of the offense this past week. And I think that you have to like, you know, Bajan's confidence, right? I, I think that he certainly spoke to the fact that, he has more in his arm. He can throw it downfield um, and was simply kind of executing the game plan that they had set up prior to the Raiders game. And hopefully we do get to see a little bit more of that. Um, I think also too, just finding a way to get DJ more of the ball, the way that Bajan mm-hmm. did, even though they weren't, you know, stretching the ball downfield, you got to find a way to do that. I mean, like, you know, DJ Moore should be getting fed the ball like Michael Thomas off of slant routes, especially when he is <laughs> exactly the best member of your offense currently with Justin Fields out. So I think that it was interesting. I think that it's a game like you are alluding to, Austin. You can't really necessarily repeat that, but it was a good way to really build up confidence in Bajan and you can get this team back in the win column at home and get the second win on the year. Uh, they ultimately, they did what they needed to do. And when you are one and five heading into the game, it, ultimately it comes down to just, just build a game plan. It's going to win. It doesn't matter how it looks. Yeah. And I also found it interesting. The bears put out a 
<clears throat> one of their mic'd ups, and this is actually like one of the first ones I've watched this season because I- I'm sorry, but <laughs> you shouldn't put up mic'd ups when your team loses the game. That's just my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I-, I wouldn't do that if that were me. Uh, but anyways, they put up one with Lucas Patrick, and I thought it was interesting hearing how the Bears kind of realized that the Raiders, when they showed up, they were just tired. And like at once yeah. they got kind of through like three fourths of the game, they realized that that defensive line was just exhausted. And so they just went full physical at them. And, you know, I respect it. And I, it was really interesting to see that despite all the losing happening this season, all the changes in, you know, perception on the team that this offensive line in this running game, a lot of the running backs still had a lot of energy to them, which, you know, put up a banner team has energy yeah. right I'm not, I'm not i'm not tuning our horn that much i get the uh the confine the confounding factors that make this not as big of a deal but i do think that's a good sign of this team like you know having the mental toughness to kind of stick through some difficult seasons like that so i like that a lot um the other thing that i have to say donta foreman you know i'd i'd watched the locker room um I don't, I don't know what you want to call it with Matty Refluse where he gave out the game balls. Oh, a little speech, um, locker room speech. Yeah, yeah, a little celebration speech, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I did think, I did also really respect, like, Dante Foreman's a hungry dude, man. He's, like, one of the most, it seems like, internally motivated people on this team um, since he's really came here. I mean, when he signed his contract and had his first press conference, he you know, respectfully said that he's coming here to try to win that starting job. And in this past game, he said after the after the game that it was really tough being on the sideline, watching it for four weeks, and then pretty much said that he's him, you know. And I think that's that's really exciting to see. And you can see it in the way that he runs. It just seems like he has a lot more, you know, anger in, in, in the way that he attacks the game. So I, I like that a lot. And I'm hoping that they can translate that this week. As you were saying, offensive line this past week looked pretty good with the exception of Larry Borum. Braxton Jones coming off IR, which was not something I expected to happen as early as it did, um, especially given initial reports that this could be something that lasts a long time and even explored shutting down for the season. Um, It seems like he's going to make his start this week. Yeah, which is kind of wild. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat as you, Austin, where I wasn't sure if a turnaround would be so quick. Um, but definitely I feel fortunate to have him back. And, you know, looking ahead to next year, next offseason, I feel like still in my head, you know, Braxton Jones is I think someone you'd be lucky to have at swing tackle and be very happy with. But I do think he is replaceable. But in terms of, you know, Borum versus Braxton Jones, um, yeah, I'll take Braxton Jones every day of the week. And it'll definitely be be welcoming to have him back onto that offensive line. And like you were saying, Austin, I think that one part and, you know, a lot of what you said for Foreman is just that internal motivation. And, you know, definitely is someone that it makes a lot of sense for him when you look at his career path where he has and his opportunities he's had has been able to prove himself. Um, but I think the team as a whole, uh, I think you're kind of touching on it a little bit. It's just, it's impressive. The one place where I'll give Irafus a little bit of credit is that, you know, with a one in five team that just came off. Now, of course, there's a lot of turnover, but just came off a three and 14 season the year before. The team is a little bit more locked in than I feel like, you know, some other coaches would have them. Yeah. So credit to Irafus there. I'm still not a fan, but I think that 
you know, at least a little bit part of just saying everyone's focused. I think that a lot of that is just kind of media and as much as he sucks on his press conference, but I think he is practicing what he's preaching there a little bit, where as far as, you know, you're going up against the Raiders and maybe if the Raiders were a little bit more energized up, it would have been a different game and maybe they hit the bears in the mouth early on and then they fold. But at least the Bears saw the opportunity and, and took it. Like you said, like if you have a team that's tired, then yeah, just just run it down their throat. I mean, take advantage of it. You're a team that you know they hadn't won a home game since last September, so you know get it done. <laughs> um, but I'm at least happy that that they did get it done, and I think that having Carolina with that, you know, still giving you a great shot to get the number one overall pick, it does make those those wins. Um, you know, it doesn't really hurt as far as thinking about that draft situation. As much as it is weird to cheer for your team to lose, but it still just doesn't seem like this team is going to amount to much this season. So, of course, you want to revert back to, well, let's just be bad so we can get a good draft pick. But they, this team really does need wins. So it was yeah. good to get a second one on. Um, of course, they're two-thirds of the way from where they were last season. And, you know, hopefully we just avoid a 10-game losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we'll see about that, right? Yeah, right. Um, Roshan Johnson also coming back. Um, I think that is big. I'm I'm worried though a little bit how they're gonna distribute the snaps with this. Um, I I do want to see Roshan Johnson because I feel like the best is still yet to come. But like just being completely honest, so far this season it's not been the best uh Dante Foreman has looked in my opinion at least significantly better I think Dante Foreman's looked better than all the running backs on our roster um and you know who knows could it just be the Raiders maybe but it's been kind of two straight games where he's played performed very well um so yeah that's a good ad but still some concerns with the way this coaching staff at times can force usage of players uh yeah yeah I mean personally I'm certainly giving Foreman the majority of carries, I would really say yeah. at least 70% in my mind and then divvy up the rest how you want it. Um, but, and then I don't know, like, I don't know what situation that puts Darrington Evans in as far as Roshan Johnson returning. Cause I know they like to have Homer for the special teams. So I don't know, not sure how the bears are going to work that out. I think it will be good to have Roshan Johnson back. I, I think that he can contribute a lot in the passing game as well. So that is exciting. Um, but yeah, I certainly think even if, yeah, I'd be disappointed if they come out against the Chargers and we're seeing a 50 50 type deal, even between him and Foreman, which I don't think will happen. I, I, I there's no way that this coaching staff can be that drunk on Roshan Johnson for as yeah. much as that we've seen him, but. Like you said, I mean, you never, you never know with, uh, with Eberflus and the gang. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here, Chargers week. Uh, this is really going to change. I would say th- this has the opportunity to really change the way the Bears are viewed. Um, again, this is a bigger team. A uh, team with a, an expensive team, a lot of talent on the team, good quarterback, a lot of money on that defense. Uh, this isn't the Raiders, okay? Uh, there's de- certainly going to be a lot more uh, pressure on Bajant, pressure on this coaching staff, pressure on Luke Getze. 
I'm interested to see how it goes. Uh, just first, you know, first takes, Reese. I know Reese also is a fan of the Chargers, so I'm interested to see his take so <laughs> well, far. You know, it's a child. I mean, now at this point, I'm I'm locked into the Bears. But growing up, I will say I was a huge Ladanian Tomlinson fan. You know, and in Antonio Gates, I appreciate their greatness and and rooted for him. But you know, ever since we've been doing the podcast, I had to. You know, when they're playing any other team but the Bears, sure, I'll go for them. Um, but, you know, certainly certainly hoping the Bears win. I don't want to get that twisted. <laughs> uh, well, how, how's their team? I, I, we, need, we need the breakdown. I hear you. I think, you know, obviously the Chargers are a team that are, are underwhelming. I mean, you talked about um, the spending that they have on, on the defense and just the spending on the team overall. And I think – Offensively, you'd still expect them to be, you know, for Chav and Justin Herbert, you know, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. Of course, Mike Williams is always banged up, but even their death wide receivers can always perform as well. Um, Quentin Johnston, you know, is still, I guess, kind of finding his way. Um, but the offense, you, I think, even expect to score a little bit more than they do. And then the defense, I mean, even as much money as they spent before we started recording. Austin and I were talking about J.C. Jackson, how he's performing really well in New England uh, right after the Chargers got rid of him, and they have a lot of dead cap on him, and notably that situation in, in L.A. Uh, with J.C. Jackson did not turn out well. And they have the 32nd-ranked passing defense. At least that was how it was coming into last week. I'm not sure if that's how it's shaken out now. But they are not a great passing defense. That being said, I do like some of their corners, like Asante Samuel Jr., yeah, I think he's a baller, honestly. Um, and you know, Derwin James is certainly a very notable name. Um, they have a lot of great names, but cohesively, and especially for having a defensive mind and minded head coach like Staley, it just hasn't worked out as well as you would really hope. They're always banged up, just like the Bears, seemingly. Um, so I mean, they feel vulnerable. I, I think, obviously, on paper. You'd look at this Chargers team and and you would favor them over the Bears, but you know it's not even like they have a great home field advantage either. I mean that that SoFi Stadium crowd is probably going to be yeah. a lot of Bears fans on Sunday night. Um, you know, I would be shocked if it's even less than fifty percent. I mean, seemingly when the Chargers are playing, every game is like an away game, which sucks for them, but also the ownership brought it upon themselves. So you know, I'm sure the Bears fans will come out in full force. Yeah, the Chargers are are kind of a weird team. Um, you know, it it just it, it's very clear that the issue is Brandon Staley, and, and like it's really hard to see a talented team kind of get wasted almost every single week. It seems like it, and you know, people are starting to pull out the oh, is it Herbert or whatever? I I don't think. I mean, with the amount of touchdowns and yards Herbert's able to throw, you should be able to win a good amount of games and at least a playoff game. Have they even won a? When was the last time they won a playoff game? Well, they went last year and lost against Jacksonville, um, which they oh, should have. The, they should have right, won that right. game, but they blew it. Um, man, the last time they won one, Philip Rivers was definitely a quarterback. I can tell you that because that was the <laughs> that was the first um, playoff game that Herbert had made, notably. So, wow, yeah, yeah. So the the level, um, you know definitely needs to change there it's very clear brandon staley i'm I'm sure if they don't make if they don't you know um, do anything in the off season or or postseason excuse me 
it's almost clear to me that he's going to be gone, um, especially with, you know, the defensive talent he has and not really turning that into results. The defense for them is very interesting to me. Um, again, like it seems to be so boomer bust. It's either like a big play or a big play given up. It seems like. Yeah. And uh, it's incredibly frustrating to watch as well. Um, there have been some teams that have been able to pick it apart. So it's not a surprise to me that the numbers are like that, but again, maybe just the coaching staff, not putting these players in a position to succeed so much about the past defense is the calls. What, what, what coverage are you in? What's the situation? Um, it, it can be very frustrating to watch a bad defensive coordinator. As I can tell you, uh, being a USC fan, um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then the offense is weird because it seems like they're always able to put up numbers, but at the same time, just they they fall flat when they really need to. Yeah, you know, they are two and four. Of course, the opponents that they've played so far this year were the Dolphins, then the Titans, Vikings, Raiders, Cowboys, then Chiefs last week. So, you know, it's been a tougher start to the year, of course. They ended up losing to the Titans, which was not a good look from earlier in the year. Not that the Titans have been terrible, but they gave up 27 points to the Titans, which at that point in the year, the offense was still struggling for them. So that was a tough pill for the Chargers to eat. Um, but, you know, they play the Dolphins, Chiefs, just like the Bears have. Um, not the Dolphins, but the Chiefs and also the Raiders. So, you know, they were also able to scrape out the win against the Raiders um, in early October when they played them, I believe. So I, I think that I think they're better than their record is because, of course, they're only two and four. So they have just as many wins as the Bears have. Um, but I think that they can perform better. But as far I think the frustrations that you know Bears fans have week in week out with Ibrahulus is, is shared similarly to Chargers fans with Staley and. When you have unpredictably bad coaching staffs, no matter how great your team is, they just can blow games. And I don't think that they are immune to to blowing the game against the Bears as well, um, even though it does seem like, you know, odds-wise it would be in their favor. But like you said, I think even as far as, you know, the roller coaster of plays, as far as making big plays and 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 giving up big plays defensively. I think it's that same way along the defense as well. Like I think sometimes players get lost. I don't know what it is, but you know, the same player that gives up a huge play can also go ahead and turn around and, and make an interception. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Cleo Mack, Derwin James, those are the players that you always expect the best from on that defense. I brought up Asante Samuel Jr. You know, he can be prone to give up a big play and then he'll turn around and, and make a big pick. And then, like, the linebacking, especially interior linebacking core, is kind of just, like, weird. Like, you have, like, Kenneth Murray, who is is good, and then at times just, like, invisible. So it's really weird, especially just along that front seven. Um, you know, even as far as a good rookie, I know that you're extremely familiar as a USC fan with um, my blanket on it. Addison? To- no. Um, oh, Tuli Tuli Peloto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like they have good players kind of just about everywhere, but it's just never consistent. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, let's get into the roster breakdown then uh, because it seems like that's a natural transition here. 
Yeah. Um, I, I I do agree. Like looking at this, there's going to be very few spots that the Bears can actually say they're better at. But again, like it, it's one of those things. Also, like you never know. I feel like bo- both of these teams, you just never know what what week you're going to get. <laughs> you know, they're either going to play. For sure. Even like even the Bears, I know how bad they've been, but like they play awesome some weeks, like with Washington game in this past week. But like never can seem seem to do that consistently. Um, let's start off on offense quarterback. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's guy, Justin Herbert. Um, I guess you could be agent. Wow. You're not an agent believer. You know, I could see where the argument would come from. If you wanted to say Justin Fields, if he was playing, but I'd still side with Justin Herbert. I think that, yeah, he's very proven. A lot of the same criticisms though, as far as the throwing game ending picks. I mean, there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. complain about that for Herbert as well. Um, but I do think that Herbert is, you know, it surprised me. I mean, I don't think either of us were were high on him coming out of the draft when he did no. from Oregon, um, and definitely surprised me. So I will give it to Justin Herbert, though, a little bit of a no-brainer there. Yeah, Herbert, I mean, he he's just an incredibly good quarterback. Um, I find it funny that I think they said that uh, – wait, no. That, uh, yeah, Bo Nix – was in the oh, same yeah. class as Justin Herbert. I mean, that's just insane to think. Yeah. And and Bo Nix had like his 55th collegiate start and uh, Herbert's, it was like Herbert's 55th NFL game. So it's crazy insane. stuff. <laughs> insane. Um, it's so funny in college football. I, I just also saw the other day that there's like a, a tight end for Miami that's like petitioning for his ninth season i'm like how did this just not add up <laughs> like how do some people get four years of eligibility but some people get nine <laughs> it's yeah. it's the rules are are insane <laughs> covid year um, medical red shirt actual red oh, shirt yeah. you name it everything everything um it's just funny um yes justin herbert um i you know i think that there's a lot of criticisms for him Sure, but it's like he's not the problem right now. And that's he's unfortunately in the position where no matter what's going on, if you're losing, it's your fault. Um, I mean, I, I think like the worst case scenario is that like long term he starts to get and like I say this with a lot of respect that maybe long term he starts to get coupled in more with the Dak Prescotts and like the Kirk Cousins of the guys that'll put up the big numbers and not win the games. But to me, he's, it's just not even close to having that discussion right now. He's way more competent than both of those players. So um, I, I think that the Chargers will be fine with Herbert at quarterback for a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, of course, they just gave him that big contract, too. So I think that welcomes in more criticism, you know, right after you get that big deal. So, I mean, what, it is. What is it with the Chargers giving out big deals and their players just immediately suck after them? <laughs> I don't know. They're pissed off at all those California taxes, man. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, what why did I hell? sign this? But um, I guess moving on to running back, I think this one's a little spicy, especially with the way that Foreman's played. I guess off name recognition, you know, I'll go, I'll go Chargers a little bit here. Um, Austin Eckler, I mean, he, he gets touchdowns. I mean, he can be that dude. Um, I think like on a okay playmaking basis, maybe I'll give it to the Chargers. But as far as like a down to down, I'd probably prefer to have the Bears running backs, uh, really? especially with the wow. way Foreman's been playing. 
Um, But in the red zone, someone like Ackler is invaluable. I'd rather it be running the football or or catching. And even, you know, their second string, Joshua Kelly, UCLA guy, pretty tough runner. I mean, he's not spectacular, but I think he's a solid, you know, easing, uh, easing the load type of guy. I don't know why, but for some reason I thought Joshua Kelly played at Tennessee, but I th- you're absolutely right. He did play at UCLA. For some reason that, that name just reminds me of USC. Um, or sorry, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I agree with you. Um, I think that this running back situation is a little odd for me, um, for the, for the charges that is because it just seems like they're lacking you know, at least to me, even with Joshua Kelly, it seems like there could be better balance in that room um, overall. And it seems like they, they want to have Eckler on the field as makes sense, big playmaker. But it does seem like at times, like he's kind of one of those players where you put him out there, but he has that specific weakness. Um, and I'll, I'll even say something like this can sound like a really weird comparison, but um, it reminds me a little bit of Derrick Henry really early in his career for all of those who do not rewrite history, when Derrick Henry first entered the NFL, um, he was prolific outside zone, outside the tackles, but he like just could not run inside the tackles. It was his biggest criticism, and it really was a huge issue in his career. And what led to him end up going in like the second or third round, I can't remember where, uh, rather than being like a first-round pick. And then he kind of developed into that. I'm not sure that'll happen with Eckler. It seems like he is really going to be like a big red zone guy. Um, but he's also just so versatile. That's what I like about Eckler as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I got to give it to the Chargers still. I mean, I just out of respect for Austin Eckler. But um, I, I could see the argument that the Bears might have a little more balance in that room than the Chargers do. Yeah. Which is crazy to say even banged up, but it's just like, yeah. I mean, the focal point of the Chargers has never really been their run game. And it's like mostly because Austin Eckler isn't really quite that three-down back. Like some of his touchdown numbers look like that of a three-down back even better. Um, But it's just like, yeah. On your random second and seven, you know, Austin Eckler is not going to necessarily be the running back. I'm like, "That's, that's who I want in that situation. But, yeah, you know. Moving on to the wide receivers, I got to go to the Chargers again. I think Keenan Allen, um, honestly, Keenan Allen at this point in his career is probably like in that same wide receiver category as, as DJ Moore, I feel like, you know, that like almost top tier, like elite, you mm-hmm. know, not best of the best. Um, I mean, Keenan Allen, he's had a great start to the year. Um, I believe Mike Williams is out for a while. I Don't quote me, yeah. but I don't think he's playing. He's um not. I think he actually might be out for the season. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, that's not necessarily, unfortunately, not necessarily a shocker for him. Um, but, you know, that that's how it works. I mean, just like the Bears have a lot of injuries, the Chargers <laughs> always rack up the injuries, too. Um, I think, you know, some of the depth, like Quentin Johnson, I mentioned their first-round rookie who notably they picked over um, Jordan Addison and, and I forgot what other wide receivers picked right after him, who have definitely had better starts to their career. So curious pick there, possibly, um, or it's looking like it right now. And then, but some of their, you know, next tier of guys, Joshua Palmer, are pretty solid. Um, so I think I go with the Chargers. I think the Bears receiving core though is not super far off. Although Darnell Mooney has had 
a little bit boring of a year so far. So it's kind of hard to rank him as that's like a strong number two wide wide receiver since he hasn't really quite had the production so far. Yeah, I'm. I actually was like for like a little bit of time when I was doing my rankings, I I did consider putting the Bears at wide receiver. But it was really because personally, I think DJ Moore is better than Keenan Allen at this point in their career. Um, ju- I, like, I just think that DJ Moore, I don't know, maybe offers a little more explosion, a little more versatility there. Keenan Allen, it, I mean, have they mostly still, even with, I know normally they would, but is he mostly still playing out of the slot for them, even given the injuries? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I'm still like, I'm mostly seeing the Chargers on red zone at this point, um, so I'm mm-hmm. not a great person to say for every snap. Sometimes he is lined up on the perimeter, but he is still mostly that slot guy, and he can make you know some deep plays along the boundary, but most of the time you're talking about his ability to, to create separation on shorter to medium routes, and that's always yeah. been his strong suit. Um, and it's not a bad strong suit to have. like He is invaluable. Um, but really, it's always been his route running, his career that's been impeccable. But like he had said, mm-hmm. like he is getting a little bit older now. That a little bit athletic edge is is diminishing a little bit. So I can see where you're coming from with the DJ Moore. Um, I had him a little bit like even, but you know maybe that's just out of really just holding Keenan Allen to high regard for what he's yeah. done, you know, for his whole career at this point. He's had a pretty Seriously. long career when you look back at it. I know super he's... underrated career too. Like, I mean, he, I. I I hate to say, like, I, it's sometimes it's so hard to say, like, who's supposed to be in the Hall of Fame, but I think that he puts together a pretty good resume to enter. Um, I don't think he'll but make the it, same, though, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't either. But this, and that's the same time is like the sad thing to me is that someone like Mike Evans, I think, will make it over, like, over someone like Keenan Allen, even though I think that Keenan Allen's career. Personally, I know I, I know I'll get a lot of hate for this. I think Keenan Allen's career and as far as how dominant he was at times was better than Mike Evans, who maybe was just kind of like that consistent, steady, like top ten wide receiver. I don't know how many years you could actually say that Mike Evans was like the top three wide receiver in the NFL. At least you can say though that Keenan Allen has had for almost his whole career a top 10, if not like borderline top 10 quarterback throwing to very him, true. Mike very Evans true. wasn't the case at all until um, Tom Brady showed up and he can yeah. a little bit like a DJ Moore type career, you know, as far as the yeah. early years of his career was putting up numbers with not great quarterbacks. So I don't know. It's all perspective. But I'm with, I like Mike Evans too, but I, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. It's NFL history is weird, you know, and, I think everyone chooses to look at look back at it, especially a specific players' careers, um, in a unique way, and it's why you very often don't see a lot of um, like unanimity, right? Like most yeah. people have dissenting different opinions, so which is what's great about it, and also sucks at the same time a little bit when you talk about putting the right people in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And as far as wide receivers, though, I will say I did also choose the Chargers after I started going down the depth chart and be like, oh, man, I forgot that. I forget. Like you forget how good Joshua Palmer is. Like players like that. You're like, you're okay, like Jalen Guyton, you know, like yeah. Guyton can make a big play yeah. sometimes. It's weird. 
You're like you got your fourth and fifth wide receiver are really talented players and would bench Equinemius St. Brown for sure. So I was like, this is a, a crazy thing to even think about. So yeah, I mostly off the top, I was just like, yeah, with Mike Evans out, maybe you can make and I'm like, nah, not even not even close when you think about it. Offensive line, this one's interesting to me, too. I went with the Bears, honestly. I think I would take the Bears offensive line. I did too. Yeah. Even in pass protection, I think at this point, I, I don't think the Chargers offensive line, they have some resources um, on it for sure. I don't know why I'm blanking on the, the Northwestern guy. Rashawn Slater. Yeah, who was Stop. great, great tackle. Um, but, yeah. Top to bottom, yeah. it's uh, it's It's been kind of tough. I'm interested. I don't think Nate Davis will be back for the Bears, but I think it'll be interesting to see where he ends up slotting in considering – Tevin Jenkins went to right tackle. Cody Whitehair's at or sorry, or right, right, right guard. guard. Yeah. Uh Cody Whitehair's at left guard. Um I feel like I think that'll Jenkins be interesting to is, see. I think Jenkins is moving back to left guard when Nate Davis gets back, I think. Cody Whitehair's benched. I think so. Which is crazy with how how well the fluce how well the fluce is uh talking about Cody Whitehair these days, but Yeah. I think you got to bench him. I mean, especially if if he's not your first choice center, then I don't trade see where him. he fits. Along you might be the able line. to trade. You actually might be able to trade him. To be completely honest with you, like there's teams that would give up, you know, fourth round pick even for a starting level guard. Yeah, yeah. I guess I think team. fourth is top end, very top end. Yeah, maybe more like a fifth or so. Yeah, because um, the Bears aren't the. Bears are going to cut him after this season, almost certainly. That's the hard part is that they will have to take on a high cap value, then they might need to cut him. But, like, if you're a team like, geez, I don't know, maybe like the Jaguars or like a, a team that's like just fringe or trying to make that play, or hell, even if you're a team like, uh, like the Panthers trying to like, uh, protect your rookie quarterback, I mean, I mean, I would even say like a contender too for to sit him on the bench, you know, and have as, yeah as experienced depth going in the playoffs, you know, yeah. look at a team like the lions, maybe even, you know, as solid as they are along the offensive line, you go ahead and, and bench a guy that's, uh, you know, let's say you trade a six round value to go all in on this playoff push. And, you know, no one ever likes to have injuries, but you know, it's going to be part of the game and to have someone in there that has multiple, you know, five plus years, which I know is even beyond five, like way beyond five at this point, but five plus years of experience being a starting guard, you're going to take that. And center flexibility. Yeah. So not great center flexibility. But <laughs> center might flexibility snap it over the quarterback's head, but he can do it. <laughs> he might put up the worst snapping game of all time, but he can do it. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I went with the bears. I also think that Darnell Wright, for as much as we kind of killed him during the Vikings game, I thought last week he had a huge, huge comeback game. Like that's yeah, how no, you like to up. see your rookie respond. He, I mean, he straight up just dominated, uh, Max Crosby to be completely honest. And he was, again, the thing that I love about him and like bears fans, I think they're making more out of this than, well, they they're they're making more of it for the wrong reasons. He is so good already in his young career at using single arm technique, where he where he's just able to force feed moves out of his edge rushers that he's approaching, and that's extremely impressive. But like they're like, oh, they're, he's dominating him with one hand, like as if it's just like a strength thing. No, it's a it's more of a technique thing to be completely honest. But I mean, it just was ex- extremely impressive. And after watching more of the film this past week, I was like, wow, that was a huge game. 
and shows a lot of excitement for um, Darnell Wright. I'm interested uh, on a separate note if like once uh, once Braxton Jones is fully kind of integrated in, I, I feel like he will stay at at left left tackle. But I am interested if this Bears coaching staff ever gets the you know thought of maybe switching them over, switching sides with them. Um, just obviously yeah. having the better tackle. And I, you know, I, I think that I'm excited to see Braxton Jones. I actually think it was critical that he came off of IR for his career because you really need to see him take that next step. I mean, he struggled a little bit in the beginning of the season. I think now that the rest of the offensive line has gotten, you know, a little bit better, more sturdy, this is a perfect time for him to come back. So we'll see, we'll see how he progresses in his second year. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, he should be able to hopefully hit the ground running. Um, what you said, like, you know, at least the way I view it, I think he's replaceable at that tackle position. By no means am I saying cut him. Like, definitely not, especially with the contract that he has. But um, I, I think you definitely keep him on. I think that he would be an excellent swing tackle. Um, but I think that, you know, as far as looking for someone that's going to lock down that left tackle position for years to come, think you might be able to look a different direction I'm not saying you necessarily have to but i think that you'd want to if you have the choice yeah so. you'd probably want to move on from him like i i don't first at least at the current state of how he's performing like you view him very similar to like a charles leno probably where like he's good enough where you'll keep him around and you won't force maybe force your hand like i don't even know if the bears get two top you know, five picks or top 10 picks. If we will draft another offensive tackle, because at a certain points, like how much high draft resources do you want to dedicate to this offensive line? Not Whereas a bad maybe, place to put a bunch of draft resources, but yeah, yeah, fair enough. But maybe you get the flexibility with someone like a Braxton Jones that you can draft someone like an Armarius Mims or JC Latham who might go, you know, tail end of the first round. You have a high second round pick, maybe trade up and grab that, but, and, and de- try to develop them behind Braxton Jones, um, which is, probably the technique i would probably go for um just to maximize at least value on the roster um should we move on to defense well we didn't talk about tight end oh we didn't talk about tight end absolutely no. and actually i think it's interesting one i went with the bears too although i do have respect for gerald everett i think that um yeah he's a solid tight end and even par parham um has gotten some looks, especially on the goal line for the Chargers. Cole Komet, um, at this point, I think he's just a solid tight end, which I think does give you know the Bears a decent. He's decent enough where the defenses have to account for him at least. Like not like they can really count him off. Um, he's certainly no like difference maker like the elite elite guys. Which there's there's definitely. As far as the NFL right now, there's a substantial drop off when you get past like Kittle, Kelsey, and Mark yeah. Andrews. Like there's a drop off from there, um, and I don't even think Komet's in that next group of guys as far as rounding out the top ten. Um, but just a little bit outside there is where our Komet like lingers around, and maybe in like that same territory is like a Fryermuth, right for for Pittsburgh or okay, yeah, you know, I think Thanks, he's yeah. he's in that land, um, so. Yeah, Dawson Knox maybe, or is that yeah, a little, yeah, a little low maybe? But I think yeah. you'd probably still take Don't someone like Dalton Schultz though over Cole Komet, right? Yeah, yeah, that's like right there. I'd say um, certainly. 
Yeah, I, I just think, you know, I also seeing Mercedes Lewis get his first pass this past weekend. Beautiful. You know, that was awesome. Looks great. Um I, I just think that, you know, top to bottom, I'm I'm pretty fairly confident with the with the Bears. Cole Komet as he, it also is like a little bit like what type of game are we going to have? Because for some reason, Luke Getze, it seems like he can't get all six pistons firing at the same time. It's always like one's lagging, a few are lagging behind when one's going crazy. So when Dante Foreman's having a huge game, DJ Moore can't and Cole Komet can't. Um, that just seems to be how he, he calls his games, um, which actually reminds me a lot of Matt Nagy. To be honest, because <laughs> it would be a similar thing with him, where it was just like one player is just kill, like one player yeah. will go off and you have no idea who it is. Um, most of the time, it was Josh Bellamy, uh, <laughs> Taylor uh, Gabriel. Just kidding there, and Taylor, yeah, Taylor Gabriel. Which is honestly like when you think back to this team, also um, the tight end that we had. Uh, oh man. Burton it was on the Eagles. Trey Burton. Burton, yeah, Trey Burton. I mean, so like some of these, uh, give Nagy credit. The offense in 2018, I think, was pretty good given the the players around uh, around the around him. Um, but everyone, all of our fans were telling us that Allen Robinson was a top ten receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I, I specifically remember a Hall of Fame wide receiver, which was one of the most hilarious takes that uh, that we've we've seen in quite a while. Um, Man, people are so mad. We are this podcast was so early to jump on the train to get rid of Allen Robinson, and people were so mad. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They, they were, were Jordan crazy. Howard level mad about losing <laughs> Allen Robinson. Man. They were almost Ryan Nall mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it is funny to see how, and I think that's more so just like a state of the. Fr- now it's funny because I almost feel like we're kind of going in the opposite direction, where Bears fans are like, almost like get rid of everybody, like trade, like bit. trade away everybody. Just get tough more when you dr- suck, man. I mean, it's yeah, it's <laughs> tough when you're one of the worst teams in the league each year. Now. Very true. Um, but it, it is just funny seeing how Bears, it, it, and again, it speaks to really like the lack of starts. Like this team, if, if you want to look at like one of the main issues outside of quarterback, is that since like Peanut Tillman left and since like Erlacher left, I mean, this team has really been deprived of star power with the exception of like Khalil Mack throughout. And, and now maybe I'll say like DJ Moore. Yeah. Um, this has not been a team that frequently has been able to draft specifically i'll say that been able to draft star players or players that develop into a star um and because of that i think that fans when they get the slightest bit of hope they really hold on to it and with someone like an alan robinson i mean i remember in 20 geez i think it was the 2019 season when he was like having having one of his best seasons I, so many of those yards were just from basic comeback RPO routes where it was just, you know, read where the linebacker goes and, 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 and pop it to him. Kind of like the, uh, uh, the Doug Peterson, uh, yeah. Carson Wentz offense. It was poor guy was hilarious. stuck in like the stick offense, like his whole, <laughs> his whole time with the bears. He's either running a slant or like you said, like the little five yard comeback. Like with the exception of Sean McVay, man had probably the worst combination of, of offensive coordinators of any player ever. Not He's with Matt Canada. Kind of <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Shout out to oh, NIU, former Husky offensive coordinator. <laughs> Stud, bring him back, head coach. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on oh, defense, man. though. Defense. Who's your pick for defensive line? That's a loaded question, right? Because 
this is like I said, I haven't been able to watch like the Chargers that much. So they're playing the three four with Staley, right? That's a three four scheme. Yeah. Yep. So technically, Khalil Mack is your off outside linebacker in that scheme. Sure, but let's let's just say like the front five. We'll we'll say the front, the defensive front. But this is where it gets like a little like stupid though. Like and not discounting this whole segment. Like we've been doing it this whole year for a reason. But when it's so much nicer when it's four three defense, this is four three defense compared to three four, which oh, some yeah. people these days just call a five two, like you were hitting at with like the five man front. It's really a three four though, it's not a five two, but I know. was I Funny that funny that you bring that up because I remember back in the day when I used to get on like arguments on like Instagram back when I was like 15 <laughs> about the Bears. I remember I, I can't remember who I was arguing about. I think it was Leonard Floyd right when right when he was drafted. And I saw this in, this like Bears fan page or something comparing him to like an inside linebacker. And I'm like, dude, what are I you doing? <laughs> Yeah. I was like, do you understand? I was like, do you understand the difference? He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> They're both linebackers. Okay. I think it's not even true in most instances because it kind of depends on how on a given play you're aligning your three four. I'd say for the most part, the outside linebackers on a three four are usually not putting their hand down, but they might. They might, yeah. but usually they're not putting their hand down. So I'd say that's probably the most like discernible difference, but you know yeah which is i don't know i there's a lot to be said about the way that teams play their defensive fronts um so i guess like man i I guess like if we're doing semantics to get this in because i'm tired of talking about the difference between three four and four three and five two whatever the hell we want to talk about uh I guess I'll give it to the Chargers, but I tell you what, these these are kind of both underwhelming, especially with the way that they perform. The names are all there for, well, the name, Khalil Mack, but like they have more of the star power, more of the name recognition on the Chargers, but they still don't perform that well. And, you know, outside of the six-sack game against the Raiders, which, you know, the Bears were able to be take advantage of the Raiders' offensive line as well. Like it's kind of still been underwhelming for the Chargers defensive front, honestly. Is Joey Bosa is he is he healthy? Man, that's a great question. That's a <laughs> you can ask that any week. Pretty, much. <laughs> you can ask that about almost anyone on the Chargers Archers. defense. Yeah. Um, if he's, I mean, for I for sure, I'm giving it to the Chargers. But like, I will say that I actually think that this one, the rare teams where the interior defensive line might be worse than the yeah, bears that's um that's fair. and especially some you know they put up some interesting stats uh as to how well the bears defensive line is performing against the run game um which you know especially since Eberflus took over so that's it's been better i mean technically they've been like a top five run defense so yeah you know once again we can talk about the level of competition especially in recent weeks but because I still remember that Broncos game where they got carved up by, and oh, I can't yeah. even remember his name now. Honestly, I, I, he played I mean, really that well. Speaks, speaks. Yeah, <laughs> that says enough, volumes. right? <laughs> that says yeah. that that that'll do the trick. That'll do it. <laughs> I'd say that does the trick. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I'd say that'll do it. <laughs> Gotta get the driving Charged. crooner on. <laughs> F you driving crew. I'm gonna kill you driving crew. <laughs> oh man. Linebacker. Uh, 
Bears. Bears. Yes. Yeah. That's all day. And this this linebacking unit is starting to really coalesce into something special, which is what we were hoping for in the offseason. So I think that's been the one thing from the offseason that we had hopes for to actual games in the season that has really started to translate. It's been exciting. I mean, it's nice to have have a dominant unit, you know? Yeah. And it like this is honestly the way the Bears played defense last week. Again, we'll well, not even last week, but over the past couple weeks, this is like the defense I expected this year. Like, it's nothing special. Um, it's nothing, like, great. It's not making a ton of splashy plays, but at least it's been solid, you know, against the run. It's been getting some stops. It's not like teams can just walk all over you, especially not like the defense last year. This has been an improvement over the past, really, since Iberflus took over, which, again... With all these things that we're saying, saying right now, much, begs, begs the question, like, why were these changes not made previously? <laughs> like, Alan Williams, how bad of a defensive coordinator was Alan Williams? I mean, it doesn't seem like the players didn't change, but the defense looks way better. And, like, I don't know. Matt Eberflus, I got to be honest, if he does stick around after this year, which... Unfortunately, I think is seeming more and more likely per, no. as the weeks wear on. <laughs> Um, and I hate to say that, but you know how this management is. They they let they let the coach absolutely ruin the team before they leave the building. Yeah, it probably has everything to do with Phil Snow coming back or you know, being hired on as a defensive analyst, right? Scott Frost. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I. It would be. Look, like I said, the winning is good for this team, but I don't want it to get mixed up with the fact that Matt Eberflus is not a good coach (laughs) at the same time. But, you know, what you had said, this defense is improving, and I think that shows that he's a great defensive coordinator but maybe not a great head coach. But yeah, I think it speaks a lot to that. But linebacker, for sure, I'm going with the Bears. Corner, I'm going with the Bears as well. I think that as far as depth at that position – you know, I like the Bears. They've been playing good. Jalen Johnson coming off of a career game. So you got to like that. Um, but overall, just being healthier at the corner position has helped a lot. And it's an area where the Bears are good at. We talked about Tyreek Stevenson kind of still feeling things out, but he's a rookie corner. So that's a little bit to be expected. Safety, though, I will go with the Chargers. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily – it's just because they have Derwin James. I don't think it's necessarily like a runaway at that position. I think that the bears are actually probably a little bit closer than it may seem at safety. Who's who's the the chargers free safety. No clue. (laughs) (laughs) I still think it's Nasir Adderley. No, it's not. He retired. He did retire. Yeah. Which was a shame. We were big, big fans of him. Oh yeah. Whatever year he was coming out of the draft. I mean, 2018. Wait, was it 2018? Yeah, it was. Tw- I think it was 2018. The draft of 2018. Yeah, big Nasir Adderley fans. I remember uh, there was a lot of hype behind him too because he was also a a Delaware Blue Hen, like our head coach. Hmm. That is a great uh, a great um, find there. So it looks like the starting free safety for the Chargers is Alohi Gilman. Um, but he <laughs> appears to be hurt. So does Jalen Hawkins. <laughs> Jalen so, Hawkins. Where did he play in college? 
That's a great question. Let's see, open up another. I feel like he played here. in SEC school. I, I I feel like I remember remember that name. Arkansas I'll you know. maybe. I'll let you know if you're close. Let's see here. Give me. Come on. Bruh, education gives me the high school. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't care about that. I'm I'm on the Wikipedia right now. <laughs> oh, you know, no, not not an SEC school. Pac-12. We're actually in the state of California. Cal. And it, yeah, I was about to say, and it's not US, UCLA, USC, or Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> they suck. <laughs> oh nah. man. Not too many Cal Bear products out there. I mean, of course, Jared Goff, but yeah, man. Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch. They used to be a lot better than they Not are for real. today. That's, they they that's definitely for sure. were. Did they it's, win it's a, a championship back with Rodgers and Lynch? Maybe a Pac-12, but I, yeah, I, I I don't know. Sorry. Now we're we're deep deep wormhole. Yeah, here. you guys. Once you get to this part of the episode, this is where. All professionalism just loses its place. Bruh, what is going on? Okay, I'm just going to football Pac-12. I'm Pac-12 website, the last <laughs> champions here. I love no, that they still looks, have all the schools on there. It looks like, like I might great. be I might be scrolling for a while here, man. Okay, all right, all right. All right. We'll just assume they didn't. <laughs> no, they definitely um, didn't. It's looking like it was... Bro, <laughs> when did they last win one, bro? <laughs> Have they ever won one? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. That is astounding. Shout out to if we have any Cal Bear fans on this. Uh... Wow, it's not looking good, man. I, I might be missing them, but I I, <laughs> I was into like the 80s and I, I wasn't seeing anything yet. Wow. Um. Yeah, so I'll agree with you. Cornerback for the Bears. Safety, I'm, I am giving to the Chargers still because of Derwin James. Um, I think that both teams are having less than ideal performances from their safeties coming into the season than they probably expected. I will say um, Jaquan Brisker, right after you were kind of saying that, calling him out a little bit last week, he responded too. He did. I mean, yeah. he, he had probably one of his best games of his career. Yeah. Well, we know a lot of the players listen to this podcast, so I oh, mean, yeah. not surprised to hear him take the call to action. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. You know, Bajan is going to ball out now. Now that you know, he probably feels disrespected. I took Herbert over him, which I understand. You know, he's a man with a lot of pride, so yeah. I expect him to have a big game. Yeah, and uh, surely he's exuding testosterone coming from his father. Uh, that. His dad, his dad is truly an alpha male, uh, and 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 probably attends those conventions we were talking about earlier in the season. Probably uh, thinks RPO is communism, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The RPO is most certainly communism. Yeah, it's communism. I mean, it, I mean, it's a pure RPO is the purest form of communism. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So before we get to the game plan, I also need to tell you one of my favorite Twitter rumors, as we like to talk about Twitter quite a bit. Um, there, there is a section of the USC fan base and the USC message boards that is actually convinced that Ed Orgeron is taking over our USC's defense next season, which I have to say, I'm all in. Go for. Tigers. 
Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I'm not kidding. I that get, that gets me fired up, man. I Doesn't need to, it? I need to see Ed Ogeron back on a sideline ASAP, man. And and this is what I'll say, too. Um, Ed Ogeron, I also think with Link, you know, the one criticism some people have for Lincoln Riley is like with the recruiting, with the overall team, doesn't bring enough energy. He's not a big rah-rah guy. Uh, he's, you know, he's not a Matt Eberflus type, if you will. Mm, man, and, he's not uh, bringing the hits to the table, huh? Yeah, he's not bringing the hits to the table. And, you know, I, I just know that Ed Orgeron, he, he would get that right. No he doubt. He would get man. that right. You know, I, I've heard too many stories of him with Joe Burrow, you know, pulling up to a restaurant. So Joe <laughs> Burrow's asking for a salad. And you know what? He's got the crawfish boil up on the table, you know. I don't know. He's <laughs> he's living life the right way, um, oh, so man. not surprised to hear it. That's awesome. I, I, I'm actually surprised, you know. Like I'm surprised that like a national title winning coach, though, and maybe he wouldn't take it because the sal- You know, honestly, that's probably what it comes down to is the salary wouldn't be enough, and he probably doesn't like probably doesn't see you know point in working when the salary is like that. But like, true. How does like a group of five team like not reach out to him? You know, like. Can you imagine yeah, the, think, the recruiting poll? But I think it's it's got to be salary now that I say it well, out loud. There, as far as I know, apparently his agents actually did say that he would be interested in it. And it's because really? Ed Orgeron notably came from USC. Right. Loves right. USC. I, remember, I remember when he was the interim guy there. I mean, yeah. I've been about my college football business. I, you there know, you go. Clay Helton, I know the whole deal. Um, <laughs> I even remember when Sark was there. And I remember when Kiffin was there bro <laughs> like yeah. Kip, I, Kiffin. i'm about it yeah kiffin is that was hilarious i mean the the list of usc coaches to between pete carroll and clay health and lincoln riley is just a hilarious list of names let's be completely honest a lot of personality <laughs> a lot oh, of yeah. personality there that's for sure was was ed ogeron before i have the timeline mixed up was he before or after clay Helton? he he was before clay Helton. oh man that would have been uh, that would have been a pleasure huh Oh yeah. To work with Ed oh, yeah. Ogeron? oh yeah. That would that would have really that would have been awesome. But I was off by a few years, that's for sure. But the Helton, you know, I just the one thing I can say about Lane Kiffin and, and, and Ed Orgeron when they were there together, they did recruit some some talent. They did recruit some players there, that's for sure. And Clay Helton just walked in the you know, maybe I shouldn't say that. Never mind. Um, you get yelled. As far as, <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, as far as the the game plan goes, Reese, um, you know, I how, how do how do we feel? How, what are you thinking? You gotta hit Justin Herbert, man. You gotta hit him. I mean, I think that goes without saying. He's gotta feel the pressure. Um, if you give Herbert too much time, it's it's gonna be over for the Bears. Frankly, I mean, there, there's no way without constantly getting in his face that they're gonna win this game. As good as the Bears' secondary is, I just I think Herbert is, you know, not top five, but he's in that top ten quarterbacks in my opinion. Um, I don't think you can give him all too much time to to figure it out. I think outside of that, offensively, you know, gotta mix it up. Um, I think, though, you got to focus on the run, though, too. I think, you know, this Chargers front, they're decent. But like you said, the interior is not amazing. So I think you find a way to gash them. You stick to it, open up play action. And, and kind of what we were saying for Fields at the beginning of the year, for Bajant now, 
open up this offense with play action. You know, run, run. Yeah. Um, you know, still be smart with the short passing game, especially on early downs. I love doing the short pass on first. That's actually what I liked the most about last week, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Getting in really good second down and then consequentially because of that good third down position because we were passing on first down and getting like five, five, six yards. Second and four, I don't care who the quarterback is. Like, yes, we can convert from a second and four, no doubt. Yeah. Um, So I think that's what I love. So I think staying aggressive with a short passing game uh, on first down, you know, um, but still running the ball enough to set up the play action. Then you take your shots at DJ Moore. I still think you target the middle of the field with um, Cole Komet. Um, the, the Chargers got raked over by by Travis Kelsey, and, and Cole Komet is no Kelsey. Um, but I still think you can take some notes from that and, and be sure to work the middle of the field with Komet, get him into the game. Hopefully they don't have to keep him just in for pass pro uh, this game, which he did really well last game, but eventually that, that's going to be to the detriment of the offense, unfortunately. Um, so I think, you know, overall we're talking about a balanced offensive attack, nothing, you know, groundbreaking there. Um, yeah, defensively, I think it starts with getting pressure on Herbert. Um, you know, I think if you don't get the pressure on Herbert, I don't care how good your coverage is. You're not going to be able to, to go four seconds, um, you know, three and a half, four seconds covering these receivers. Unfortunately, they're just going to find open space. Yeah. I think, yeah. Game plan wise, you kind of hit on a lot of things, really try to pound the ball. You need movement in the offensive line, especially with this team, which is why I think, that this outside zone run scheme, I think, is going to be really favorable. Um, in we'll play into the Bears' favor, that is. Um, and I also think that not, you know, the outside zone line, you know, it notably really, you know, puts a lot of pressure on teams' linebackers, which I also think is very, very good for the Bears here. Um, you know, as far as other aspects, it's this. Is what's again, what you were saying? It's really good that they're staying in front of the change and train. Jesus chains, chains <laughs> which uh, in front of, in front of the trains. Yeah. That's the <laughs> an- analysis you get here um, in front of the chains. And I think that's also one thing that's been good with Bajan. And I hate, I don't like criticizing Justin Fields. Cause I think he's got, you know, he hasn't had the best, you know, opportunity because of the coaching, what they put him into. But the one thing I can say is with Justin Fields, he does frequently put you in a position where you are behind the chains on second down. One of my favorite quotes um, from Lincoln Riley, actually, funny enough, which is not just a Lincoln Riley thing, but I heard it last from him, is that the best third down teams are also the best first down and second down teams because the easier it is to get no, because the easier it is to get the third down, the higher conversion rate it is. So really for for the bears just stay in front of the chains we don't necessarily need huge plays as long as the run game's working which i think it will in this game and uh yeah you know still though open it up a little bit give give tyson bajant some favorable shots like i don't want to see just a classic drop back shot but maybe you know the rpo or get a little trick play in there let him test the, the teams downfield <laughs> Are we going it's Philly fl- Philly this week? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it seems like they're not very confident in his arm strength, which seems to be his big kryptonite right now, which funny enough that his dad's an arm wrestler, but he doesn't necessarily have the arm strength like Hall of Fame arm wrestler, but Bajan might not have the arm strength because I don't know if you know this. I didn't even know this until I was watching the highlights again. They put in Peterman to do the that Hail was Mary. Bogus, though, man. And they put him in to do the knee at the end of the game, too. Yeah. 
yeah, like what? I hate that, bro. Honestly, I'd rather I'd rather Bayesian throw it twenty yards short. Because honestly, even if it's like if it's that that under throw, like yeah, no one's picking that off anyway. I don't care. But yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, and then on defense, yeah, it's like get pressure, but like God, who knows if that's gonna happen? I just think you almost gotta accept that there are gonna be some big throws or some unfavorable throws and like the bears just need to shut down the run game at least like i would say even though i'm not saying put it in herbert's hands that's not something i would ever say what i will say though is that if austin eckler starts going this is going to be a long long game yeah, not very with true. herbert yeah. at quarterback so at least shut down one aspect of the offense and i think that i'm, I'm not trying to say that I think what's really good too, and like this reminds me of like when a team like when Iowa's coming and playing Michigan, the Bears last week took forever when they had the ball in their hands. They were cutting down the clock a lot, and I think that that's another key aspect here. Just stay efficient, limit the amount of time that Herbert has with the ball, and you know maybe get that reactive thinking going of, hey, am I going to have to put together another game-winning drive? Am I going to? Mm. And, and that might be where you end up yeah. uh, being make every drive count, you know, puts the yeah. pressure on the other team. But so. if you we're going out there and we're going three and out multiple times, we're, I mean, the game's over. I mean, yeah. the, this team does not have the firepower to, to play a game where they have to play catch up. Yeah. No, I think that is crucial. Um, are we good for game predictions? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm really, I'm looking to get back in the right side. I like, I, I like getting my game picks right, man. You know, and as much as I was, I was happy that the Bears won. I was, I was mad that I got the pick wrong. Um, so with that being said, I really had to weigh my options, and I had to think about, you know, what was most likely here. And unfortunately, I do have to take the Bears uh, taking the L uh, in some prime time Sunday night football, which is unfortunate. Um, but I don't think it's gonna be too bad. I don't have them scoring a bundle of points. I'm gonna go Chargers twenty-eight to twenty. Yeah, that's actually pretty pretty close to what my prediction is. I am unfortunately predicting a loss. Um, again, like, is it possible they can come out firing on all cylinders uh, potentially? But it just seems like this is a game where you don't want to have your backup quarterback. If we had Justin Fields back, I might be you know, anxious to maybe put down the W here um, just as a matter of, you know, you know, having faith in this team. That being said, I feel like, you know, I kind of feel like we're waiting to see lightning strike twice, you know, and I just yeah. don't believe that'll necessarily be the case here. And I also think that we might see a little bit of a regression from Tyson Bajan, not, you know, not nothing against him, but just like history would show you that typically when backup quarterbacks come in, they can play good for the first game, first game and a half, and then things start to kind of fall apart. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm I'm going to go Bears. Uh, or Sorry, I'm going to go Chargers. <laughs> <What>? Excuse me. <laughs> They're mixing it up. <laughs> no, I'm going Chargers. I, I, I hate predicting this, but I think it might be like 17 Bears to like 30 Chargers. Yeah, it could. I could see the game breaking wide open. I mean... Like you said, I mean, the backup, once you get tape on them, it, it becomes easier to game plan. Unfortunately, in the, in the case of the Bears, um, 
I really just think, too, what's also working against the Bears here is this game also means something to the Chargers, and it means something to Brandon Staley. I, I think that this is a team that's hungry to get this win, too, so it's not like you're catching the Chargers napping or anything. They need this win as much as the Bears need it. So, yeah, just give me the more talented team when both teams are fighting hard to get the win. And uh, I think, unfortunately, that leads them with the Chargers. I think we, we might – I think we'll see at least a good first half of football and then maybe the wheels come off in the second half like you are kind of alluding to. So, we'll see. I, I think it will at least be um, – It'll be interesting to watch. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um Yeah. It's it's gonna be an interesting game. I, I again though, if we win Homer That's awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm becoming a homer again. Full it, meatball. It's gonna be a toxic season for other fan bases. Don't <laughs> don't let me steer you wrong. <laughs> we're gonna be on the we're gonna be on the Twitter just posting gifts on uh yeah. just across Message all across all other teams. Here I come. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Is that what the NFL... Unfortunately, that's like what Twitter is for the NFL, right? Like, yeah. there's not really like team blogs like that. It's a different It's different in the college landscape. It makes it increasingly yeah. toxic. Funny enough, with how uneducated it seems that the average NFL fan is, the average college fan is way worse. That's so, <laughs> the one thing you could be as an NFL fan. At least you're not... Maybe you're both like me and Reese, so you're just like a double idiot, but... Uh, I, I can say that the fan bases in college football are a, way higher on the toxicity level and way lower on the IQ level as well. Uh, so at least at least we have a certain amount of pride in ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, if you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to leave a rating and review as always. Um, Austin and I would love to read uh, read off what you guys have to say. You know, even if it's... You know, we, we want the five-star. We're not going to cap. We want the five-star review. But if you got some harsh things to say, we'll still read it off. We're not we're not too good for it. Um, say something funny. Yeah, say something funny. Tell us your favorite 85 Bears memory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much again. And bear down. Bear down. Stanzo brand fedoras.